How are we doing, guys? Welcome to Fit Food Radio. This is episode 138, and it's me, Matt Whitmore, with Kevin Marsden. Hello. You good? I am. Are you? What's popping? What's popping? Um, <laughs> I was going to say my hip. Yeah. My eyeballs out of my head every time I see you. There you go. Wow. <laughs> that's that's something that, like, I'd imagine one of the girls saying on Take Me Out. Yeah. It was a bit of line like that, wasn't it? was. Well done, though. It was quite quick for you, <laughs> as far as, like, on-the-spot stuff goes. Yeah. Well, I mean... Do you know why I'm not good at on-the-spot stuff? Why? Because I've got one of those brains that's already talking away, and usually mm. already, like, sprinting ahead of whatever I'm already doing at that point in time. So you lose that, like, instantaneous banter. Mm. I'm not. If you're not in the moment, I don't think you have very good banter in the moment either. I see what you're saying, yeah. And actually, the one time that I am quite in the moment is when I'm teaching. And I would say that's when I have the quickest responses to stuff like that. So you got, that's when you got, your, your, your bants is like <laughs> Not necessarily level. bants, but I'd respond in a way that was a bit funnier and mm. I don't know. Yeah. What, what people don't know, who you're about to know, is the amount of podcasts we have to start again because I go, hello, everyone, welcome to episode bloody dog. And my brain's it's already me. chattering away. And I'm like, with Keris, and then there's just silence. She's gone already. It's not, in my, it's, not in my, it's not silence to me. My brain's going, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's silence to everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, you right? Where are you? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Keris? We're doing this podcast together. Yeah, it's not just me. I'm trying do, to stop do, that. As, do speak. I'm trying to stop that as a loud. habit, though, as well, because it's not a healthy habit to have, and it's it's really hard to stop it. To stop what? You're you're trying to be in the moment. We've talked about this. Like trying to be in the moment in a conversation and listening. Yeah. And sometimes your brain, someone says something, it triggers you to start thinking ahead. So you're multitasking. You're half listening and you're half talking to yourself and thinking ahead and planning. So <clears throat> it really hurts your brain to but be why? doing that. But it's and I honestly cannot tell you why, but it's a habit that I think I've had it years, decades, and it's getting worse with age. And I'm trying to pride myself in being, I'm trying to train myself to be a better listener. So you are when a good it, when listener. It, but when, no, I do listen. Yeah, and I'm not saying I don't listen, but I sometimes I'm multitasking. So I'm listening, but I'm also talking. Uh, you're listening, but you're not listening. No, no, I am listening. It's weird. I can't explain it, but I'm thinking ahead. And so I'm half listening. And what I'll do is catch up on conversations. So because there's a, usually a lot of detail that you can be skipped over, especially when you're talking. I mean, I, <laughs> but you can kind of almost pick up the gist of what someone's saying, but you're not truly in the moment listening, which is a skill. It's a mindfulness skill to have. And I'm trying to be aware that I'm doing it and then stop doing it and then listen better and not jump in and interrupt and things like that which you can do and there's definitely a massive correlation with me and coffee if i've had a coffee mm. i'm really bad at it you do interrupt me a lot yeah yeah i do sorry drives me nuts <laughs> that's because i'm with you most of the time and you then are. i'm probably with you when i've had a coffee you, you are. are also i also associate there's a direct correlation between my company with you and coffee intake and that's your fault because you're making the coffee all the time hey listen you didn't mean you had to drink I think it. I think I actually get caffeine stimulus from your breath sometimes. Probably. It's that, it's that strong. So, yeah. 
And then you're like, stop interrupting me. I'm like, stop giving me coffee then because you're just speeding me up. And I'm like, I'm already at bedtime, like in my head. I've already like gone through my whole day. I'll do I'm this, gonna, I'll do this, I'll go I'm going to start sneaking that decaf in. Yeah. Again. Or putting something in there that slows down the coffee, like maybe magnesium in my coffee. I don't know, probably taste it there. I think you both taste it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. I bet there's other people that identify with that though. Kind of the, the mind. You know, just... you, I know you do it occasionally because I can. T- but the problem with you is you can't do the multitasking, and you're, you you be the first to admit this. So you actually go quiet when you're thinking. So I know you're not listening. Mm, and I think I put a certain face and as you well. You put a face, yeah. You're like, oh, always got his thinking face on. <laughs> it looks like it. Hurts. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of effort going into that there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're you're right. Like if I've, got, but that's normally if I'm just generally distracted in terms of like if my. If my mind is just elsewhere, full stop. Yeah. It's interesting that listening in that instance is calming to you. So if you tried to calm your mind down and uh, calm, calm. But if you tried to stop your mind going elsewhere and actually focus on the person in front of you, observe them. Mm. It's kind of like a meditation exercise and just sit and listen. And I do actually find when I do this, then one time I do it very, using it in a consultation. And I think that's why I find consultations quite calming when I'm consulting with someone, as in I have a client in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm listening to their story and I want all the detail and I just 100% engage and listen. Yeah. And pick up all the detail. You can't go anywhere else in a consultation. It's pretty obvious if you have. Of course, yeah. So I find that process quite calming and relaxing. And I think most people, if they actually started to think about... the The other type of conversation I find really relaxing is speaking to your nan because your nan is a bit transmit no receive isn't she it's one way so i just yeah. settle in and listen yeah. and i really enjoy it and i try and stop myself like looking at my phone and, and like really you get again you just engage in that conversation and i start to find myself getting nice and calm and because you don't really get a word in and i actually quite <laughs> like that but sometimes you know, i've been lecturing all day and we go to your nans i'm like i don't want to talk this is lovely i just want to hear stories and i quite like it and i find it relaxing but it's because i'm listening and it's quite a a meditative state to be in. Things so as well is now now not quite meditative because you are still engaging. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah, what is quite good though with my nan, like, is because um, her her vision's not great now at all. Like, she's not got much of her sight left, so you don't need to look look like you're listening. No, <laughs> you never are. You're always watching telly. That's the no, I'm not. Yes, you. Most of the time, you're watching telly only because I can see how much you're enjoying the conversation. Yeah, whatever. And then you're like, oh, bless him, leave him too. When I say to you, you shouldn't be watching telly, you should be listening to you now, and you're like, I've heard these stories. Yeah. <laughs> 34 times. No, really. Yeah, at least. At least once a year. And that's just, that's, that's just today. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. A lot of the times I'm like, I've heard this story, Chris. <laughs> you still got to listen again. Like, go on, <laughs> go on now, tell her. Yeah. Tell her about all those little details. <laughs> She's meditating. <laughs> She's loving it. <laughs> Now I've got her to shut up and all. <laughs> it's like a win-win for you. It's like your nan's distracted. I'm quiet. Well, that's the only reason I can take it out there with me to see my nan. Basically, you can watch whatever it is that you I watch. Can, I can career. catch up on all my favourite TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Watch a film from start to finish it's without brilliant. having it Googled halfway through and Wikipedia'd. <laughs> um, yeah, so where were we? Episode 138. But just on that note, before you just skip along, that's why I think there were you find certain people we've got friends like this who are real kind of listeners and if you have a big gathering they tend to just sit and but they're very calm people you notice that like who 
So I'm on, one of my best friends who's a real chatterbox. Yeah. Worst, she's like, she's like yeah, you, on, you on speed. And when you and her get together. It's crazy. And her husband is very quiet very and quiet, calming. Yeah. And, and sometimes what I found is when we get together now, him and I tend to kind of like loop back around and just yeah. let you two like explode with conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you two almost like, and it's great to see. And I think that's part of like, I think it's part of why their relationship really works. Yeah. Um, and then the, the opposites attract. Yeah. Yang. But he's a very calm person. He's a listener. And he's, she's always said that about him. She's like, he's such a mm. listener. He's so like, he just wants to hear people's stories. He doesn't want to keep interrupting and yeah. dominate or anything like that. But it's it's almost like that's his entire nature as well. Do you think I talk too much? No, I like, not at all. No, no more than, I think I like a balance, you see. Because mm. I'm a chatterbox, so I like you to be a bit of a chatterbox. Right. So no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you talk too early. We've mentioned this before. Yeah, Definitely yeah. too early. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, chattery too early by the, the time day. sometimes you get up, I've already been up for like a couple of hours. So, you know what I mean? You've like, it's been like bubbling away. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm very much awake and like, whereas like you've literally just woken up. Let me come round. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, first things first, because I'm sure by the time this goes out, we'll be very close to Christmas. We're close to Christmas right now. So we're really close to Christmas and... It's only right that we mention our Fit of 12 Days of Christmas once again, because it's awesome, legendary, world famous, some would even say. To be fair, we have got people in the group from all over the world, which is pretty cool. And every year it has got that little bit bigger, gets a bit more interaction, more people get involved. Love it. Absolutely love it. So if you are on Facebook, guys, check out um, a Fitter Crimbo. That's the private group that we interact with everyone in and we put the videos up, little mini daily challenges. If you didn't catch it on the previous episode, basically it's a daily challenge in the same format as the, the 12 days of Christmas song. So the first day of Christmas, you might have just examples now, minute of squats, second day of Christmas, three sets of 10 push-ups, but then you need to do your minute of squats as well and so on and so on till you get to the 12th day of Christmas and you do the full shebang, 12 all the way down to one. Great fun, bit of a challenge, but a nice balance. I think that's the key thing to mention. It's not, we're not about just annihilating you. It's just to help you move a little bit more over the festive period. It's done with no equipment whatsoever. So you can do it wherever, at home, outside, when you're walking the dog, whatever, or you can factor it into your workouts like some people do. What's nice is a lot of people that start by going, oh, I'm going to do my best. I don't think I'll be able to do it all, but I'll do what I can. Or end up being like, I loved it. I did everything. I feel so pleased. But even if you do bits and bobs, you'll yeah, feel... Yeah. Which some people do, and that's fine. Because like I said, the whole idea is just to get you moving a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah it's it's been a lot of people have been mentioning, you, you've done a 100k steps challenge, and lots of people have just made a conscious effort to up their steps every single day, haven't mm. they? Their kind of daily movement and been surprised at how how well, they're able to achieve it. Well, how much better they feel mentally. Yeah, exactly. Well. well, what's interesting with that is, is the whole idea of the 100K Steps Challenge is, I made it very clear from the office that for me to achieve 100K Steps in a week is very much doable. You know, I'm not far off that generally, but I did have to up my game a little bit in order to hit that you know, looking at my previous averages. But what I said was, if 100K is just way off the mark for you, there's no point going for that. 
you need to make the number realistic. Otherwise, you, you just kind of, what's the point? Yeah. So if you're only, I don't know, your average is 5K steps a day, try and aim for seven a day, you know, so it's an extra 2K steps. And like you said, you'll be surprised at how you can fit those in. Because we've had quite a few people that were like, oh, you know, this is going to be really difficult for me. I'm going to aim for this amount. They beat it. So the next week they're like, actually, that was easier than I thought. I'm going to increase it to this. And now they're on target to now actually do the 100K that they initially thought they weren't going to be able to do. Yeah. And that's what it's all about for me. You know, it's just do a little bit more than you currently do and go from there. But try and make it a habit. Because, you know, we did, we did it as a challenge, but then it's a bit like, well, hey, yeah, you did it for a week. What's the point in doing that and then just going back to what you were before? Yeah. You know, if you felt a benefit from it, you, you know, do it again. Yeah, yeah. And again and again. Because I, I'm definitely going to do it now. Like, for me, I'm like, that 100K steps, that's going to be my weekly target now. Yeah. And that just averages out to about 14,000 odd a day. Some days I'm a little bit short, but then some days I go over by a good chunk, depending on the day. And I think things are much easier to achieve when you do it that way. And same goes for, for exercise, for, for nutrition. You know, we don't consume the same amount of calories every single day. And when we talk about uh, fat loss, you know, our advice is to spread your calorie intake across the week rather than the exact same amount every single day. But I think I think with all these goals, they also just require a little bit of intuition and knowledge. So... The intuition is kind of about read your body and be realistic. So if you find these types of goals, you know, quite stressful, then they're, they're too big for you right mm. at this time. They've got to be, like cool. you say, manageable, realistic. But also the, the knowledge element is why is it beneficial to you, you know, for various different reasons, like moving across the day is just more helpful. So if that movement across the day is 10 minutes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or, you know, t- little movement breaks, mm. snacks, anything like throughout the day you're still doing the right thing it doesn't matter if you hit that step target yeah. this is just something that you know we're kind of encouraging people as a, as a kind of campaign to work towards and the days when you're tired or you're coming down with a cold you don't do any of those things necessarily no. you read your body and this is a link to what we're going to talk about today is we're losing that skill to connect with our body read our body and go am i just being because we're all naturally a little bit lazy am i being a little bit lazy here and need to nudge myself or yeah. am I putting too much pressure on myself and this is silly I'm clearly in need of rest in an early night that will serve me more than hitting my step target yeah and it's strange but almost it's like because of like the way our brains are kind of wired to get these highs from from achieving goals and and that can be like achieving you know <laughs> your Fitbit hitting 10,000 or whatever yeah we will override what we actually need to kind of achieve go and obtain what we what our brain wants which is that like little dopamine surge like yeah, yeah. I yeah, it. I, yeah. you know so it's, it's i think it's becoming really hard when you're in this industry as a health professional of any sort to try and guide people to the right thing and not let them make this goal like put it on a pedestal yeah. and kill themselves to achieve it but that's the thing because you don't want people to be going like right smashed 100k what's next <laughs> yeah, yeah, 125 yeah, yeah. great let's go for it yeah. <laughs> even to be fair as you're doing like movement challenges and stuff you can actually see people getting geared towards it going, what's next, Matt? What's next? What's yeah. next? And it's like, no, no, we're just trying to show you different ways to get movement into your day. And there's got to be days where you take the information on board and you go with it as well. Mm. Um, and you develop your own little movement sequence because ultimately we're, we're just trying to give you skills. That's yeah, all we're yeah. trying to do, skills and knowledge. And then you've got to use that in- intuition. You've got to start going like, 
what's going on with my body right mm-hmm. now? What do I need? And that's the balance that we've, you know, had to strike over time. And every now and then we'll all get misled and we'll go for the goal and we'll experience a negative, uh, have a negative experience off the back yeah. of that. So it could be in a CrossFit class because you, you're now doing CrossFit, aren't you, Matt? Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't mentioned it no. um, <clears throat> at all. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really glad yeah, you brought that up. Every minute on yeah, the well, minute. Uh, basically, rubbish. I'll start from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One day I was passing a CrossFit gym and I walked in. You go, what were you saying about CrossFit? <laughs> you are going to do a whole podcast on CrossFit, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not just going to talk about CrossFit. Like, it's going to be more like like new, nutritional changes, recovery strategies type thing. Okay. You know, it's going to be lots of value in the people. I'm not just going to be talking about the workouts of the days <laughs> that's all I get instead. Yeah. guess what we did at CrossFit today Kerry's going to start calling me Matt E-Mom Whitmore oh, <laughs> we went to go and train together at the weekend didn't we we had a really nice chilled morning which is not like we're normally up and out and our plan was to both we go to the gym you go first hmm. I walk the dog and then I meet you and we tag I gym. team we tag team and then I walk the dog and then you walk the dog back and I train and we Neither of us got out. We were having a coffee. It was a lovely first Saturday morning in a while because we've been well, working. It was a good chat, wasn't it? Yep, we were enjoying good it. Chat. So we were like, oh, we sometimes do that and go, do you know what? We're enjoying this more. So we do it. And then we kind of lost energy to go to the gym. And I said, let's just do a really quick sequence. And I know exactly what I'll do. I pick four or five exercises and I'll just go around in a circuit five times. Mm. And you kept going, let's do an EMOM every minute on the minute. And I had to explain to you why I hate EMOMs and they don't work for me mm. because I need rep goals. you're weak. No, <laughs> I need yeah. rep goals. You tell me how many reps and I do it. Yeah. Then I move on to the next exercise where you're like- Here's a rep goal. You just got to do it every minute on you the minute. Like, oh, whereas every minute on the minute is you do the exercise for a period of time. And you told me- You don't. You do it for reps. But every minute on the minute, that's what I'm saying. So it might be like 15 burpees yeah. and 15 push-ups- know every minute on the minute and whatever's left of the minute is your rest smell me yeah but i don't like that <laughs> yeah so i don't know why you've, i don't like you've it. made that clear no i like to know that i'm going to do these reps and then i move on to the next exercise and then do these reps and move on to the next exercise and a client of yours commented that they didn't like it either yeah, and did. i said it's definitely like picked a, up a right fast but it's a brain thing honestly because it's like there's a certain way I've never liked it when someone said you're going to repeat the circuit for 15 minutes over I'm like no I'm not I'm going to repeat the circuit for you're going to tell me this certain X amount, amount of rounds. rounds I'm with you and I will and it's it's dopamine do, and do your, not- your dopamine comes up and you're like I'm nearly there I'm halfway there you know and it, and these are such important markers for me in a workout I need to know like I'm halfway I need to know I'm like two thirds almost there countdown cool. I get it and you've never, never like, sometimes when you would teach a class, I'd be yelling at you going, tell us how much longer, <laughs> like, we need to know. But whenever you said, we're going to do this on and on, like, ongoing for 15 minutes, I was like, that's just horrendous. But, but many of the CrossFit workouts are like that, though, aren't they? You know, it's like, because you have, like, an every minute on the minute, which is what we just said. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you can do, you might do the same exercise every minute on the minute. You might do a couple of exercises. You might do a few exercises on each minute. So an exercise for the first minute, a different exercise for the second, different one for the third, 10 rounds. So that ends up being 30 minutes of work. Or you do like an AMRAP, which is as, as many rounds as possible within a certain time frame. So it might be you have a circuit and it's like as many rounds as possible in 10 minutes. So even that wouldn't work for me because I wouldn't know how many rounds I was going to do. Even though, you know, you'd, you'd be telling me the times, I wouldn't be able to compute it. Because you don't know. Yeah. Tell me I've got to do 10 rounds. So you'd like the ones where it's like, 
you know, be like, yeah, five rounds for time. Yeah. So like, you know, you're doing five rounds yeah, yeah. and the goal is and to you, do it as quickly as possible. Watch me pick up in the last two. Like, like literally it's when I I'm see straight. the finish line. Yeah. And I've always been like that. We need to start CarisFit. It's just always about like, CarisFit. It's not CrossFit. CarisFit. Anyway, that's enough about CarisFit and yeah. whatnot. Sorry. <laughs> see, look, see, look, you brought that up, not me. I know, but we'll do, what I was just saying was how we did a session just together. Why did, why did we talk about... Anyway, we did a session on Saturday and I did my five time, five circuits, five exercises. Yeah, and I just love it. And I did an EMOM. Yeah, you did an EMOM. Why were we talking about that? Then? No idea. Okay. You're obsessed. I don't know why you going on anyway. that CrossFit. Ham <laughs> <laughs> wrap, EMOM. Um, anyway, what we were going to talk about today in this... No, we were talking about... Um... I think we got into it because you were talking about like always trying to get a bit carried away with these goals and yes. trying to better it and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think that's how we anyway, yeah. segued onto it. But we did just that morning go, we feel like doing something and we were both done in like, gosh, it was like 10, 15 minutes. We 15 both minutes, yeah. yeah. 15 but, minutes. But really pleased we did done. something. Yeah. And then got out and then had like a relatively active day walking around Christmas but, shopping. But and stuff. Just one last thing on the walking side of things and even the, the fit of 12 days of Christmas, what's been really nice because we've been doing all that hasn't officially started yet, the Fit of 12 Days. Uh, we've been doing like some little mini challenges to, I suppose, prepare people somewhat for what's to come. And there's quite a few like new mums in the group. Mm. And what's been lovely is them kind of saying it's been a real eye-opener for me in terms of what I can actually fit into my day. Because what we say is, is like, again, so for example, one of the challenges might be 150 bodyweight squats, but don't do them in one go, which would be pretty tough anyway. Break them up into sets but better yet, break them up into sets across the day. Yeah. Don't do like a set of 25 rest, set of 25 rest. Do 25 here, do 25 whilst you're waiting for the kettle to boil. Yeah, yeah. And then mm. another 25, you know, every time you go to the loo, <laughs> like whatever, like fit them in. Yeah. And that's what people have done because 150 squats is still is 150 squats, no matter which way you go about it. You know, you do them in sets of two, three, four, in one go, whatever it may be. You've still done 150 squats in in the day. And for some people, that's a bit of a struggle to get their head around because they're like, no, I want to do them all in one go. I want to feel the burn and this, that and the other. But if you are someone like, you know, who is a new mum, who's tired, who's busy, you know, and and doesn't get much time to themselves, breaking it up into these smaller manageable chunks across the day is just much more achievable. Yeah. But you've still done the same amount of work. if you're working at home on a project or something, you'd be better setting your phone every two to three hours and doing like, right, okay, like you said, start the day, set yourself a movement challenge and also vary it because the other thing is that people will set a movement challenge. They'll be like, I've done the uh, 100 squats, 100 push-ups, 100 lunges every day for the last three weeks. And it's like, yeah, but then now your body's adapted to that. So you've got to start to think about progressing it, varying it, those types. It doesn't want to do the same thing. So you could set yourself like three movement challenges to do at home. And if you're working from home all day mm. and then just set your alarm for three periods across the day and it goes off, get some music on, quick warm yeah. up. And then it might be that one day it's kind of core based, one day it's rep based, as in a high rep based. Yeah, yeah. Another day it might be more strength. So you're doing some really slow, you know, kind of isometric holds or eccentric kind of lowers to the floor with it could be like single leg squats or push-ups, those types of things, whatever. So you feel it the next day, you know, you feel muscle soreness the next day. So, you know, your body works. And again, if it's kind of just before you're about to eat, that's always going to be a kind of good thing in terms of like, you know, just getting firstly kind of if you've you've sat all day and then you eat and then you go and sit all day, you can guarantee you're going to feel pretty tired after all of that. Well, my kind of like thing at the minute is doing a workout whilst dinner's cooking. 
Yeah. So like if I've got something in the oven, I'll be like, right, that's in there for the next 45 minutes. That gives me time to both train and shower, knowing that by the time I get out of the shower, my dinner's ready. Yeah. And then boom, <laughs> I can eat. And I bet that gets you through the last two sets. <laughs> well, it does as well, because you're the like... Smell well, of the smell of the food. You know, I can't take my time now, because otherwise dinner will ruin. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that was you can you can see it. You can yeah, see like, the... <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's good. It's it's really nice to see because that is for for us. It's what it's all about. It's getting people doing it wrong. I love to train. Keris loves to train, and by all means, you should definitely have like a structured training routine that's geared towards whatever your goal is. But what we're trying to say is, is that there are times where you don't have the time, you don't have the uh, the energy, you don't have the headspace. So if that's the case. Break it up into more manageable chunks. Keep yourself moving and grooving across the day. And I guarantee you'll feel really, really good for it. Make sense? Totally. So, God, that was a long old start to this podcast before we get to the juicy, <laughs> nitty gritty stuff. So it's kind of linking in from what we've just been saying, which yeah. is about... Well, I, do you want to... I'll be honest with you. What? I've forgotten what we're going to talk we're, about. We're going to talk about... Inf- it's kind of like information overwhelm mm-hmm. and how information is actually becoming quite damaging to us. Because there's just too much of it out there. There's a lot, a lot of info. And especially information relating to health. Yeah. And just being a human being mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. And I think I've just noticed this over the last couple of weeks really affecting students when I'm teaching. So obviously they're kind of learning all this information about the body all the time, what it is, you know, what's healthy, what's not healthy. They're obviously stressed because many of them are students doing exams and things as well. But you can kind of see how the information is affecting them very negatively. There's a lot of guilt about things that have happened in the past that they can't change. And then there's a lot of fear about the future, about things that they also feel they can't change because it's the way the world is going. And also, I think seeing how their friends and family maybe aren't eating in a way that's very nutritiously or um, really stressed or it might be children you know kind of eating junk food and dabbling with alcohol drugs all that kind of stuff like you start to see you find out all this information about what the body needs and how it stays healthy and then you see everyone doing the opposite and it starts to really affect you emotionally yeah and i've also seen it in a lot of friends who are parents so similar thing they're kind of online trying to learn how to parent or get advice about not learn how to parent sounds wrong but looking at advice about parenting going into it could be like Facebook groups, it could be just chatting at the school gates, wherever. <laughs> there's, there's no manual to parents. <laughs> no, no but, but where it used to be something that was passed on from generation to generation, my mum and dad very jokingly say now, like, our information is old hat, like nothing we say is relevant anymore. They're, they're joking, but they're kind of not joking because my brother who's got kids probably goes and looks for something online more than he would go to them for advice about right, something because right. he's like, but we have a very different lifestyle to you. And they do. Yeah. They yeah, do have yeah. very different lifestyles. So my mum is kind of like, you know, it's different in our day because we didn't, we were very much, she talks about they had much more of a community of mums together. So parenting was a lot easier. They kind of figured a lot of stuff out together. They had much more support from grandparents as well. So my grandparents were there almost every single week helping in some way yeah. or another. And the food side of things was so much easier because mum was like, there was just so little choice. We didn't even really have supermarkets until later in the 80s. Like They weren't as widespread. So it was very much you go to the grocers, the butchers, you grew as much food as you could at home. Think about it. They were naturally nutritious diets. Yeah. Um, and just as the sugar was coming in, there were warnings with kids about teeth. So that was kind of limited as well. So I think it was a lot simpler and it was a lot easier. There was no internet to keep looking everything up, to keep second guessing yeah. everything. 
the third group who I see very vulnerable to this kind of information almost becoming toxic to them is when you're not very well mm. and you start to look at the symptoms and you start to read about where, what it could be, where it's going. We mentioned this on a previous podcast, like Dr. Google can just put the fear of God in you about yeah. what's going to happen. Oh, gosh, yeah. And just kind of seeing this everywhere, you and I are, are like not no exception to this either. Mm. And I had an experience last week where I was stood in front of a class who was generating this big kind of energy of fear about we're really worried about everything from pesticides to plastics to climate change to hormones in food what's going to happen with brexit like it literally was just like bubbling 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 yeah and i sort of reined them back in i became the one that was like come on guys like calm down like are there not at least 50 things that almost every client needs to be doing and you guys need to be doing to get healthy let's not forget the power of everything from kind of just a good nutritious diet, first and foremost, whole foods, sleep, movement, and just think about how you're thinking and yeah. that influencing your immune system and inflammation in the body. Like we know, we don't want people thinking they're in, you know, fear mode all the time, being chased by a lion. And I became the one that like reined them all in and, you know, the kind of sensible head in that room. But then <laughs> we go for dinner at my mom and dad's house. Yeah. <laughs> that like two days later. And because I know a lot about, what can happen to the body and what kind of, anyway, basically, I just kind of had a little observation moment and I was looking at my mum and my dad and you, we'd gone for dinner and my mum basically had turned the kitchen into a giant bread making um, <laughs> factory, which she loves making bread and that's very cool. But she was literally running around like a headless chicken, dinner was burning and she was cooking a ton of food to take over to see my brother. So just mega stressing herself. She was supposed yeah. to be cooking dinner for us and she decided to cook a ton of food. Feeding for, the 5,000. Basically, yeah. And she was tired and she hadn't done any exercise that week. She hadn't been to yoga. She hadn't had, she'd been trying to paint the house, getting ready for Christmas. Mm -hmm. She was like in overdrive. And I, I was like, mum, seriously, like you need to calm down. And ha Chill. have you made an appointment with, she's got some health appointments and they've all fallen on the back burner and, and it ended up for, actually falling into an argument almost where I yeah. said, I just give up. Like, if you're not going to look after yourself, I can't keep turning up here and just nagging you, which is exactly like other people are feeling about, you know, it might be kids or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of walked out of the kitchen and then my brother, who's also having, he's having some tests at the moment for, he's got swollen lymph nodes in his neck and stuff. And he was like, well, whatever, I'm not giving up booze before Christmas. <laughs> so then I was like, I need to walk out of this room. I can't listen to you either. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> then I sit down at the table and you, who's trying to do like a yeast-free diet, having announced that you don't think yeast works for you, dived straight into the bed basket, basket on the table. <laughs> so well, I was well, like, no, I didn't. No, okay, you went and went to slice it, and then I just looked at you. <laughs> bit, bit me hand off. <laughs> no, I did not bite your hand off. I was like, no, you as well. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> I did not do that. Yeast, Matthew. <laughs> Yeast. <laughs> My brother looked at me like I was mental. <laughs> I was like, what? But, but, you know, but you were kind of, you were right, but... That was a build-up, wasn't it, of everyone kind of like... Well, yeah, you all week have been going, I want to I want to really do this, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then it was like, someone puts hot bread. I mean, admittedly, freshly yeah, baked freshly bread and baked, butter. Sourdough and soup bread. right in front of you. And you just dive straight in. And I was like, we've just spent all this money on all these things for you as well, like some anti antifungals and mm. stuff. And I was like, what are you doing? But, so I almost flipped and I became the one that was then taking on everybody else because I was, in my head, predicting where all this goes. 
But what's been really powerful is I kind of stepped away after ruining my entire family <laughs> meal. <laughs> We did, really, I did no, we did all calm down. Well, I calmed down and then had a nice evening. But I stepped away and I thought, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep thinking that I know the outcome of these actions, but I also can't keep trying to control everybody else's actions. No. And I think this is where I kind of had this moment of, and then this week I ended up having a, a coffee morning hosted it. And it was a load of people that I've met through yoga, nutrition, people who've been amazing to me since I fell ill. And I said, why don't you all come around? I'm going to make some cakes do some coffee and they all did and they all spoke about very similar struggles where they're kind of saying my mental health is not what it should be like I'm feeling my worry go into overdrive and anxiety and overwhelm and social media makes me worse information makes me worse I'm learning all this stuff and I don't know how to control my surroundings I don't know how to control my children or my partner I don't know not control they weren't saying that they were saying I don't know how to look after them now because it's, it almost feels impossible yeah. because it's like the environment that we live in as well is really driving us to do the exact opposite. So we live in an environment that tells you to eat junky food all the time. It's like everywhere. It tells you to be lazy, you know, when you're trying to you know, focus on shopping and buying stuff instead of actually going out and figuring out what makes you happy in life. Like, And you kind of see your parents or become vulnerable to that or your siblings or your children are very vulnerable to it. You see them falling for it. And then you feel it's your responsibility to jump in there and stop that process. And I think what we've all got to kind of do is is start to step back for a second and see the situation for what it really is. Mm. And again, if I'm helping a client with this or somebody else, I can be very logical about it and say, I think first and foremost, I think you need to give a certain amount of information or resources to somebody or perhaps have gentle discussions and highlight, here's the situation, here is potentially some of the outcomes of your actions. So if it is, you know, for example, my parents, I'm often like, if you carry on just kind of adding too much into your schedule every single week, it's just going to be another kind of health problem that pops up. And then we're all going to have to like work around that. And it'll be a massive inconvenience to you when you want to go and see your grandchildren or you want to go and travel to Portugal. It's going to be a huge inconvenience. So let's think about looking after yourself a little bit more now Mm. with these small things. And then, you know, so so those conversations are kind of how it needs to happen. And that might happen once or twice, but then you just need to leave them to it. Yeah. And you have to step away and then you have to draw a boundary between you and that person. And even yeah. if that's your child, I think it still needs to be clear. Or your parent. Or your parent <laughs> or, your, or your partner yeah. where you end and they start. Otherwise, who do you think is really going to end up in trouble? Well, you. Not me, as in the, wor- the person worrying. Yeah. So the one in the very middle. Which was you. <laughs> in this, this scenario. On Saturday night, it was me. But when I was teaching, it was the students talking about exactly mm. the same thing. They're in the middle of a group of people that they care about immensely. And they're trying their hardest to control the outcomes for all of them. And if anything, probably making the situation worse, especially with children and teenagers, you probably see them rebel a little bit more as they're trying, as someone's trying to control them. Yeah. It's almost making the other side seem more appealing and exciting. Yeah. So you, know, you don't want me to go there? Well, I want to go there. And I think it's good to, you know, step back, see what's going on and then start to, you just need to say, I'm here. This is what I think you should do. I think everyone should be trying to focus a little bit more on leading by example. So for me personally, I'm just kind of, you guys all know now that I'm here and I have this knowledge, but I'm doing things like not 
not necessarily or trying to get better at this, but not answering WhatsApp messages late at night, emails, those types of things. Mm. When someone sends me blood tests, as in like a family member, I've got these blood tests. I'm a bit like, well, I'll deal with that in my time. Yeah. But, you know, my first answer back is, are you exercising, you eat nutritiously, have you done all the things that we mentioned? No, well, I'm not looking at those blood tests until you start doing that. that you know, yeah. you have to start thinking about just nudging them back to taking responsibility for their own health. But if you're walking the walk yourself and... The other part of this is you must not feel guilty about that. Like you just cannot feel guilty about it. It's, no. it's, it doesn't even work if you do something to look after yourself and feel guilty about it. I think you need to understand the only reason you feel guilt is because you're a very giving person. You care about others and that's where the guilt's coming from. But then completely almost kind of reinforce that in yourself you know, you're never going to, you're not going to be helping anybody if you don't actually get your own little routine in place and draw those boundaries. And that will help you to go and do those things, not feel the guilt and communicate that to people as well. Like I've decided I'm going to, you know, just take a bit more care of myself right now. Yeah, but also like, you know, we, we, we've said this time and time again, like any kind of change, like don't get me wrong, others, other people's actions and, and words can have a positive inf- impact on you. But the, the real change has to happen within. Otherwise, it won't happen. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you, you, yeah, fair enough. You know, sometimes people can give you a bit of a, a a nag that's a bit of a nudge to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I must do that or whatever. Book those appointments, like, yeah. is it in your mum's case? But it's not fair on, on you, the warrior, even though it's kind of you that's chosen to take yeah, that, yeah. that role. It, it, it's not it's not fair on you to you should, like to do that to yourself to place that that pressure on you because it's not your responsibility you know and it's like we say like your your parents are grown ups you know yeah, they're yeah, yeah. in their sixties and but it's, it's, it's not just that relationship it's any relationship any it's relationship about it's worrying about your partner it's worrying about your children and I think there's elements to which. That some will be able to take responsibility and children can't. And I suppose it's slightly different. But that, that, that's like, you know, it's two opposite examples, isn't yeah. it? Because you've got, you know, I mean, we, we we come across a lot of people whose parents are maybe, you know, in not as good a health as they used to be and they're, they're worried about them. They want to help them because obviously they want them to be here for longer. They want them their, their kids to have their grandparents around for longer, etc. And understandable right yeah, yeah. but then it's not for you to kind of take that on as a almost like as a job yeah, yeah to make yeah, yeah. sure that they do all the things that they need to do especially while they're still very capable of doing that themselves yeah. you know it's a bit different like my nan for example you know who's not very able-bodied now hasn't got a vision she needs that extra help yeah yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. i'm not talking about that but whereas kids, it's almost like the polar opposite because they they can't do those things. They can't take on that level of responsibility. However, people then tend to, they're, they always question what they're doing. Am, am I doing the right thing? Am I feeding them the right foods? Yeah. Just, just see what I mean. And whatever, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They always believe that there's probably something else that's better. Yeah, yeah. And that becomes a problem. That's what I'm saying about the information side is toxic. And, and just two things that I think have really helped me, and this is what I kind of communicate to the students, is I said, if you look at, for me, whenever I'm kind of questioning something, I always look back at, at kind of ancestral history hmm. and think, let's look back at ancestral history. Were, were these foods available? So I think a priority when it comes to your nutrition is just like a whole foods, 
home cooked where possible approach to everything. And so like, you know, just, just avoiding or making the majority of your nutrition not about the, the ultra-refined processed stuff, the takeaways, the things that we all know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. coffee shop food and alcohol, those types of things. And so I think like, think back to kind of like ancestry, what's been available to us for the longest period of time, there's a good chance that's the most nutritious mm. and that's not rocket science. Uh, the other thing that really helps me is we all know somebody in the early 90s who basically exists on sausage rolls and smokes and drinks. And so go figure that. Yeah. So we just know there is so much more to you know, kind of longevity. I'm not going to use the word health because I'm not saying they're necessarily healthy in that position, but longevity, because the biggest fear about what many of us are trying to control, especially with nutrition and health kind of interventions, is we're almost trying to stop someone falling sick and someone succumbing to some of the really scary chronic diseases like cancer, for example. And obviously with the older generations, trying to stop them from dying, you know, or again, having some kind of health issue that really affects their quality of life. Yeah, And we think that we sometimes can control these outcomes because we get this knowledge, we get this information online. Now, I'm not saying that we can't have a really healthy input there, but thinking that you're going to control the outcome is where I think it, it, where it just goes wrong. Because this is when we go into almost overdrive with it and it becomes very, it's almost an acceleration of what would have been just some healthy advice to a friend becomes Mm -hmm. you going, no, you need to eat like this and do this. Why haven't you done that? You haven't done that. You know, like, and and it, it, it probably have the, opposite effect on the person that you're trying to help it becomes a stress to them as well yeah. it affects your relationship with them and the minute you've affected that kind of be it parent child or sibling or, or the half relationship you're now creating a negative energy between two people that's what regulating inflammatory cytokines like it's having the complete opposite effects of what you want yeah. so i think it's helpful to step back and use though i use those two things to reassure me when i can almost sometimes feel myself getting ready to bite and like I don't really know what the outcome of this situation is going to be. So stop thinking that you jumping in right now and saying something critical is going to make this situation better because there's a good chance you will make it worse. And we've talked before about Claire with her teenage, uh, Claire, who's our mentor, helps our groups with her teenage children, really stepping back and just kind of walking the walk and saying, well, I'm going to eat like this. I'm going to go to CrossFit. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to pay myself she, compliments. She leads by example. She leads by like, example because she noticed the more she tried to push, the more they rebelled in the opposite direction, yeah. especially at certain ages. And they're being led by their peers at that time as well. And I think what you've got to do with almost everyone around you is they're going to have to reach a pain point with it. And that's mm. what we've mentioned before. Maybe you've just got to leave them to it, but yeah. do open the dialogue. Say, you're, I'm here. I know some, some stuff that can help you. Yeah. And then you know, kind of let the relationship just be. And at some point, hopefully they're going to come to you and go, right, I'm ready to make that change. But it's like you say, though, like when if you try to take control too much or you try to get involved too much, even though your intentions come from a good place because you care, the problem is, is it winds you up, it winds them up. Yeah. It makes a drama out of something that, that wouldn't have been had nothing been said. (laughs) So like no one wins in in that respect. And and it is a tough one because when you care, you care. You can't just go, yeah, I'm not going to say nothing anymore because even if you don't say anything, it's there inside you and it will will affect your mood or wherever you're at. Like I remember when, because the thing is I can, when I see you with your mum and dad, for example, I can understand, and even with me to a degree, but more so them because of their um, history with uh, cancer, both of them, I can see 
why it gets to you so much. I can see why you care so much because they both had cancer. Thankfully, they yeah. both they both beat it. So you're very much like, right, that should be the kick up the arse you need to not do this and do more of that, blah, 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 blah. Your dad doesn't need any nudging. He's very much taken control of it. The situation does a lot of reading himself and, you know, always gets out for walks and this, that and the other. Whereas your mum, on the other hand, you know, she'll... she'll... No, her biggest her biggest problem is she puts everyone else before herself. Yeah, which And that do. leads her to... But, but also, I, I agree, I, I mimic that behaviour in some ways, but I do actually have foundations in place with my nutrition and exercise and sleep whereas yeah. she lets her slip for other people yeah so she doesn't even have the physical health i'm not saying mine's brilliant at the moment no. but yeah. definitely yeah. Hers, is, hers is definitely you know massively creaking and i can see it affecting her and then she'll go i'm really concerned about my memory at the moment i'm like mm. because you don't have good quality sleep you don't have a, a, a move and exercise routine and i've tried to say come yeah. to yoga with me and she's like i'm busy i've got to get this cooking done for your gran so, so in know, a way it's, it's like it's giving it, to others it, it, yeah you, it's not that your mum's being lazy no. and she's just sitting her ass doing nothing as an alternative she's still doing but like you say it's probably doing things for other people yeah to make sure they're all right and rather also, than looking out for herself there's something else that's quite important about some of the giving that people do there's different between because when you look at studies of people who give their time for others you see that actually they have better levels of everything from stress hormones to reproductive hormones to inflammatory Mm -hmm. chemicals because they give their time they've got purpose yeah but if you give your time with an element of resentment because maybe you've feel obligated to and you feel guilty when you don't and if it's not appreciated and we've seen this happen haven't we again amongst friends and family Uh if it's not appreciated it has the opposite effect. Yeah. So when people get, people have lost their boundaries and they're also giving their time with resentment at giving their time, they have really poor biomarkers of health. Mm. So I think there's elements to which I and I've seen her do that at times. So I'm like, why are you doing this? Like some some friend will call and go, do you mind if we come and stay with you for four days? And my mom will be like, oh god, that's really. I'm trying to decorate. You know, I'm gonna have to tidy up the hat. And I'm like, then don't. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but she feels guilty. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've actually had to almost like coach her through that process and say, you have to start saying no. But but that's why I was saying like, it's it's hard to do. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very much who your mum is. Yeah. It's very much who you are. Yeah. yeah. You know, to a, to a degree. So it's knowing that and doing that are two yeah. completely different things. And like I've seen it when, you know, for example, like your mum and dad have come around to, uh, to our house for lunch or dinner and your mum's brought a freshly baked sourdough loaf that she's made. And uh, like there was that time when... But we mentioned this before, it's sourdough gate, we call it. Yeah, sourdough gate. And, you know, your dad went to have a slice of bread and you went bananas because this wasn't long after his kind of like cancer ordeal. And you... Do, do you know what? And it, it wasn't even... This is the thing. It's, I sound like a nutter to anyone listening. <laughs> it's not gluten. Like, I'm not a nutter. I don't just obsess <laughs> about gluten. And run all these tests on my dad and he had quite a lot of fungal overgrowth. So I was like, the one thing you should probably just rein in dad is yeast. And he also had a sign of like, zonulin was raised, so intestinal permeability. So that's when you might say gluten probably isn't doing you any favors. And I spent hours and hours and hours working on my dad. If you can imagine like someone you love the most in the world, I'm like, I want the plan to be the best for him. Let me finish. I'm justifying this. (laughs) Like hours thinking about the right supplements, the right tests and everything. And I compile this plan. I write it out for like 12 weeks and he rocks up with a big loaf of bread. And like, literally we've talked about this before on the podcast. 
what was more damaging, the bread or my reaction? Without doubt, my reaction. Like, yes. He literally looked at me, when you look like you're going to have a nervous breakdown. But yeah. that's because I'm taking on responsibility for his health. Yeah. And this is what, exactly. but this is what other people are doing with their children and, and but, partners but, and things as well. But this is where the problem lies because you know, whichever way you want to look at it, either, oh, I just care. Oh, I'm just looking out for them because I love them. Yeah, of course you are. But like you just said, you're actually taking responsibility for it. Meaning that if, heaven forbid, your dad got um, cancer again, straight away, you you would latch onto that and you'd feel an element of responsibility because you'd either say to yourself, no matter how much you worry and try to do, you'll say, I didn't do enough. And if you consciously chose to nag less and talk about it less, you'll say, I shouldn't have done that. I should have carried on nagging. Do you, do you know what? Let me finish. Uh, okay. So the problem with that is, is no matter what you do, you'll still feel responsible. Whether you, you didn't nag, I'm using nag as a word. Yeah, that's right? no, I am a but nag. I am a nag. Whether you didn't nag or you nagged every single day, if he got that news, you would still feel an element of responsibility because either way in your mind, you would feel like it was never enough. See yeah. what I mean? I would. I, I'm agreeing with you until recently when I fell ill. I'm not talking about recently. No, no, no. I'm talking about then. <laughs> yeah, no, I would. Until recently when I fell ill, I realised actually I've done enough. Like I've mm. actually done enough now with everybody, yeah. with everyone that I love and care about. Even if I've not seen you for years, I've got a book. And in that book, I've downloaded every bit of information on our website. Every, I download every bit of information I ever get into my head into something either in our membership site, on our website, in our book. I have told you everything I know that I think will help hmm. you. I've done enough. And if you don't want to take that information and do something with it, and that could be, this could be you as a school friend, this could be you as a, someone I'm related to. <laughs> I keep getting these random messages off. <laughs> What's it called? Um... 23 me, the DNA thing of these oh, people yeah. who go, I'm your third cousin once removed from Barbados. How are you oh, doing? <laughs> I'm like, um, I don't need any more family, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't know, unless they got a place you could stay for a week. <laughs> well, that's true. Save a few quid on accommodation. Yeah. <laughs> can, I come yeah. Over, can I come over and uh, can I come and stay crash with you? at yours for a fortnight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but I've, I have done enough because now I just think I've done, every time I've learned information, I've, I've given it back mm. i've like tried to share it with as many people as possible this podcast same thing yeah so if if somebody so now i don't feel an element of that and i think actually more than anything i think like you said <laughs> you do nagging though. needs you to do stop. what you, you haven't completely let go don't make out you have oh, no no we, we run a business so i'd always feel you know elements mm. that there's still more there's so much i want to share no but i mean even with your parents like you know and like you just said the other day when we went round, you know there's still a part of you like yeah, no, 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 it, no, it, it no, bugs you. Yeah, but you keep saying, "Oh, you'd, you know, you'd feel you'd you'd feel really guilty. You'll feel really guilty that they have you haven't done enough." And I think, mm. no, I think actually now, I wouldn't, and I, <laughs> I would just be like, "Now, are you going to do some of the things that we've talked about you doing yeah. for the last ten years?" Well, the the thing, thing is, as well, on. is like it does get a bit tiresome when you repeatedly hear someone saying, "Like, oh, you know." feel like crap you know this is going on and you're like oh really have you have you done those uh you know yeah, I, don't, you, you know, I find it sad i just find it sad and that's not that's all sorts of people in my life where you know well, no, but, but the, the other day your frustration with your mum was you've been very busy doing other stuff for other people yeah you're still complaining about these symptoms that have been going on for a while yeah yeah i took time out to help you with that 
and recommended something to read or someone to see, whatever it yeah. may be, and you've done none of those things. Yeah. So there's a bit of a like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit sick of hearing this when there's help to be had. Yeah. At the you, time, at the time, yeah. well, like, and I'm sure everyone does this when they're trying to help someone, yeah. you lose it. You, you like you lose it, you get narky, and then I walk away and I feel guilty, yeah. and then I feel sad. Yeah. I feel guilty because I'm like, I've ruined it, <laughs> I ruined everything, and then I'm like, everyone must dislike me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, we, we, <laughs> and then I feel sad because I'm like, I just want happiness for that person, yeah. and I can see it. I can, good place. I can envisage it. I'm like, if you just did these things, I know you would feel better. <laughs> it was the same thing with the bread with me, when you were like, bloody hell are you doing you were just like the and then and then i was like icing on the sugar-free cake yeah i like, was wasn't i yeah. kind of like i was yeast yeah. free I, I was the cake. i was the crumb that broke the camel's back yeah <laughs> get it um well, don't you? i was the sourdough crumb that broke the camel's back but because i said to you if you're going to do no, crossfit you yeah. need to tidy up your nutrition have i told you that <laughs> <laughs> no but what i was going to say was is that but then you go do you know what fine have the bread and it's like, well, the kind of moment's gone now. <laughs> you know, the, the enjoyment of like, oh, it's a freshly baked loaf out of the oven. My brother was loving it. He was just looking at you to see if you were going to go for it. Yeah, he was. He was <laughs> like, oh, see, what's he going to do? It's like one of those, like, um, do you ever see those apps now or those games that come up on Instagram sometimes of like as a sponsored ad? And it's one of those, like, what should they do next thing? And sometimes it's often like a, a woman's come home and and, and 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 caught her partner in bed with someone. What should she do? It's like all my family would be like with a yeah. loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> should he eat the bread? Should he not eat the bread? She's coming in the door. Should he hit her with the bread? <laughs> <laughs> and then after whatever you like select, a, it like shows a sword. you. Defend himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with French <laughs> Get out! Oh God! I've got gluten. Get out! <laughs> yeah, he was loving it, but you know, I didn't eat the bread. The, the magic had gone. <laughs> I was like, I just won't enjoy it. But you know what? Like, I'm so less about the food as well. Except with you on that one instance, because I was like, I the one yeast, thing. the yeast, <laughs> like hundred quid on antifungals. What? You, How much? Maybe hundred quid. <clears throat> anyway. So that's why that was annoying. Yeah. Um, and then you go and just dive into some friend. But just... But I didn't. Going back to the situation on... Truth is, I wasn't actually going to. I was just seeing what your reaction would be. And you kind of... <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the food side of it, I actually think, as I've said this on the podcast before, it's so much less about the food for me now. I don't think, if I'm being honest, I'm not saying that that bread was going to do you any favours, but I don't think it's going to do you any harm. I was just yeah. a bit like, goodness sake. Yeah. Anyway. And, and also, like, it's... Anyway, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> just going back to the information where we're learning stuff, is when you're learning about how to be healthy now, there's also so much information about the food. And this is where a lot of people's focus is going. So when students were asking me a lot of questions, it was like, oh, there's heavy metals in mercury. There's antibiotics and hormones in, in dairy. and in There's heavy metals in mercury. In, sorry, there's heavy metals in fish. Sorry. Right. As in mercury and, and yeah. plastics in the seas and fish. And there's pesticides and fertilizers on plant foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, well, what are we supposed to eat then? Yeah. And we cannot all go, okay, we're all going to go organic. Because all this stuff is in everywhere anyway. It's in our yeah. water, it's in furniture, it's being emitted from buildings all the time. Like yeah. you're just always exposed to all of these things that we probably ideally would not be exposed to. But there's an element to which if you don't, I'm not saying ignorance is bliss, 
But if you start stressing about it, you're really making the situation worse. Oh, 100%. 100%. So you do some really realistic things within your power. And it's the same if you were ill and you start Googling those symptoms and you start reading about what it could be, you will actually start to see your symptoms worsen. And yeah. I will almost guarantee that's going to happen because mm-hmm. you'll be driving inflammation in the body. Whereas if you step back and go, what realistically can I do? And I say this to students when I'm teaching them, don't tell somebody any piece of information if they can't do something about it. So don't say something really scary to them if they can't, you know, about mold or water or things like that. If they actually can't change their circumstances, pollution, same thing. Why not give them a piece of advice? They live in central London. Don't start saying, I think, you know, pollution is the biggest reason your children have asthma. Start to think about what could they do because most children are eating a diet that is Mm pro-inflammatory and therefore getting more fruits, vegetables, good quality proteins into their diet, getting them to parks and woodland at the weekend, using houseplants, you know, yeah, giving yeah. practical things that you can do. So if you learn a piece of information, don't be scared of that information. Go, what can I do about it? And if there's nothing you can do about it, get rid of it, park it. Mm. Like, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But if there is something that you can do about it, do it. If that makes sense. And it's the yeah. same if you're, if you're not very well and you read about something, if you haven't gone and seen a doctor, a nutritional therapist, an osteopath, go and see a professional, go and get a couple of professional opinions and let yeah. them project manage you through the process of getting better. In fact, this is what I was speaking to someone the other day saying, this is kind of what I think I do more than anything nowadays, because I have to manage the mental and emotional side of a client as well, yeah. where they've been on Google that many times and they're that confused after reading such so much conflicting information. They're like, I don't know what to eat. I don't know <laughs> like what to ex- how to exercise. I don't know what's going on with my body. I don't know what these symptoms are. Doctor wants to give me medication. Medication is bad. Medication is going to kill me. Mm. Um, but supplements, there's so many. I don't know how much, you know, and you can just see it's like information yeah. overload and it's yeah, toxic to them. And this is where more and more my role is like, okay, I'm going to project manage this situation now yeah. okay here's what i think we do with your food here's what we need to do with these supplements well, and then like, i'll refer out to like you need an osteopath well, to sort that yeah you know? refer to like as and when you need to and yeah i mean we always say to people change as little as possible you know, well, what, know about that if someone comes to you and they're living on takeaways and <laughs> you know but what i'm saying is yeah okay so that example someone's living on takeaways and smoking all the time yeah, and this yeah, that yeah, and the other like yeah, but what I'm saying is, if you was to then turn around and go, stop smoking right now and don't touch another takeaway, they'll be like, what? What? Yeah. Like that, whoa, no, no, that's not possible, you know. That's a very extreme example that we've given there and we've not ever met anybody that does that, but it'd be like, right, okay, well, why don't we have less takeaways? You know, so instead of, <laughs> do, do, do you see what I mean? You're nice, you're, you're, obviously you're nicer, I was going to say, you're... You're, you're more gentler than me. I would be like... No, no, I, listen, I, this is obviously, a, this is an, a, an, an extreme example. Yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is, is that you don't want to try to make the change so colossal that it just freaks them out. Yeah. To the no, point right, where they're right. like, well, that's just not going to happen. This works really so, well with children and teenagers, actually. Hmm? That, that works really well with children and teenagers. A small change that can bring a positive outcome can then get them very engaged to yeah. make more changes and well, funny enough when i taught the life stages lecture at your college so 
don't know if we've spoken about this, but I'm also a lecturer as well now, <laughs> y'all. Um, only done two, mind. But, <laughs> um, well, I did sports nutrition one day and then I did life stages the next, which is obviously nutrition from everything from breastfeeding, breastfeeding children, all the way to the elderly. But we got to teenagers, right? And whenever it got to a case study, I was like, this is great. Let's get the group interacting. And uh, they had this like case of this teenage uh, girl, um, you know, it was a bit overweight, low on energy, you know, wasn't very happy with how she looked, but didn't want to make any changes to her nutrition because she was a fussy eater, like blah, blah, blah. They painted this kind of like picture, I suppose, of like a, I don't know, maybe a typical teenager. I don't know. I, I was never fussy with food, so I can't really relate to that. <laughs> I eat whatever. But it was all like, oh, you know, this is what she typically eats for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and this, that, and the other. So I was like, right, what could we suggest? What could we suggest to this girl, you know, for for some nutritional changes. And straight away, like everyone went to kind of like the extremes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all like, oh, change the cereal to a... <laughs> Sprouted buckwheat with uh, <laughs> yeah. almond milk. <laughs> like a vegetable smoothie. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, she's going to be well up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even like the lunch, it was like, oh, maybe a salad with this, that, and the other. <laughs> but the, the lunch was a sandwich. Yeah. But I was like, what, what about just making a healthier sandwich? Yeah, yeah. A more nutrient-dense sandwich. Or so a wrap so you can fill it with more stuff. But it's, it's more like, it's not drastic. Yeah, it's still yeah. a sandwich. We yeah. we know she likes sandwiches. Yeah. But how can we get more of the good stuff in there with, yeah. well, without changing it too much? And, I think, and also them looking strange to their yeah, peers. Like, yeah. Which you do, you know. Yeah, exactly. And the hard, and the hard thing about that is they shouldn't care. But I always remember of course, that. Of course, yeah, yeah, you but know, you know, but the, judging your lunch these, these are ideal scenarios that, yeah, that, yeah. that seldom exist. But straight away, but no, you're right actually, because you do need to think of those kind of social pressures yeah, as well, yeah. especially as a teenager. I mean, I didn't care at school. I was that guy who had like, you're very confident. Yeah. well, I was just like this is what I like eating, so whatever. Um, it was quite good because no one wanted any of my lunch. <laughs> That's the worst thing at school. But, oh, let's have a bit, Matt. With me, it was a, like you oh, had I'm a safe. physique that was kind of aspirational by that point in time, so no one would question. Well, you some would say, you know, an Adonis-like figure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Where is, I'm kidding. I wait next to nothing. I have these big goofy teeth and a big oh. bowl haircut and a greasy fringe. Oh, I still so I, I, I was quite concerned about my lunchbox. Oh. <laughs> the I can't I, change how it looks. So I'm going to make sure my lunch is impressive. But then actually saying that back how then. How ridiculous is that? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Someone would be like, never mind the lunchbox, sort out the fringe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the <laughs> the fringe. <laughs> What's going on? Watch um, it. <laughs> but again, that's a classic example of going to an extreme. And of course, like, if you suggest like going from a, a cheese sandwich to <laughs> Uh, a chicken salad yeah, for lunch. I mean, anyone in there, no one's going to really be up for that, probably, no. let alone a, a teenager who's quite fussy. But again, it's just that is that classic example of just being too extreme because yeah. you think you need to be. Yeah, yeah. And we can apply that to absolutely everything. But that's a very good point on the, the, the kind of information side of it is it's leading people to distraction. And what, again, what I kind of am noticing the whole of the industry is everyone's so busy going on about plant-based versus omnivorous diets or broccoli sprouts yeah. or supplements that everyone else is wandering around with body composition issues, smoking, drinking. The basics are just not being covered no. by, this is by health professionals because they've gone straight in with like, oh, you need more cruciferous vegetables. And I'm like, yeah. well, this person needs to adjust their body composition first. That, that's yeah. the biggest problem with the estrogen, not, not the lack of cruciferous vegetables. And so it, like you said, it's the basics being covered. But I think, I suppose just to kind of like 
conclude, what we really wanted to, in this very long discussion, to kind of say to people was, you have to think about when you're out there researching information, either as a parent or as a partner to somebody trying to help them, you have to think about, has it actually started to affect you negatively and your relationships with those people very negatively? And think about... First and foremost, we've mentioned boundaries, but boundaries could also be, do you need to just put the phone and laptop down mm. and actually start being more intuitive about how you care for somebody? Because have you lost the basics of that, which is yeah. friendship, company, kindness, take them out for a lovely experience, fresh air, those types of things, and just be there for them and then wait until they're ready for some help and support from you. And then you've got the knowledge and resources. And if you haven't, We've stuck it all in our membership site. That's turning our membership site 365 into a place that is like, do you know what? Everything that I know is is going to be helpful from clinical experience and yours. It's going to be helpful and relevant and make a difference to someone is here. The rest is maybe nice to have or not relevant. And that's, hmm. you know, where we've tried to encourage people to go back to. Well, it's like you say, you need to have a certain kind of a, a, a structure, a foundation in place first to then if, see where the yeah, the if, tinkering needs to happen. Exactly, and exactly. Those, those boundaries also need to happen for yourself. So the boundaries mm-hmm. need to be around yourself for your own kind of self-care and, and looking after yourself. And as I've said, if the information that you come across, you can't do anything about, let it go. Mm. If you can do something about it, you know, think about making some small changes, yep. but also the, the ultimate conclusion has to be, we'll never really know what the outcome will be. Yeah. And when people ask me more and more, they're like, if I take this, what will happen? If I don't eat that, what will happen? I'm like, we never know. Who knows? There's way too many. You may choke on that carrot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there can be such a thing yeah. as too many sprouts. Yeah. I will tell you that now. I've smelt it. Yeah. But I think it's important <laughs> to know. Yes. It was me. <laughs> um, it's just important to think, we don't control the outcomes. No. We think we do. I've certainly thought I could. And I could go into that mode, you know, still now. Yeah. And now I'm trying to catch myself going, you never know. And like I said, go and hang out with some 90-year-olds who are chilling with a cake, and a, you know, in one hand and a whiskey in their tea and happy as Larry because they've got company and they've got kindness in their life and they're just not worrying about this stuff. Yeah. And they're not exposing themselves to this stuff either. Like they're no. not online going... How should I think, react, be, do, behave, treat others yeah. in my day online? I, like find these answers online. They're just doing, you know. They're- yeah, of course. I mean, like for me as well, I mean, my mum's a classic example. I mean, I just kind of say this and then we'll wrap up. But, you know, like my mum's retired now. Uh, my stepdad passed away two and a half years ago. And I was always you know, naturally a bit worried about my mum because... You know, it's just me. You know, I've got no other, I've got no siblings. So I was a bit like, is she going to be okay? You know, is she going to be lonely? Is she going to have enough kind of going on in her life? Am I going to feel like an additional pressure to be there more than I already am? Because, you know, me and my mum were very, very close because, you know, always have been for a good part of my childhood. It was it was just her and I. But my mum kind of like threw herself into the community, didn't she? Yeah. She has lots of volunteering, goes to bingo, all these kind of soup lunches, coffee and cake afternoons, takeaway evenings and all that stuff. And, you know, on the one hand, you could be like, oh, mum, you know, kind of having a bit of cake on the regular at the minute <laughs> or, you know, uh, your takeaway consumption's gone up. But let's let's forget ideal situations for the moment. For me, I would much rather my mum be out there being sociable, yeah. meeting up with other people, yeah, people yeah. that she genuinely likes being around, talking to them feeling like that real kind of sense of community and eating cake and takeaways and whatever than her being at home lonely 
you know, with no one really to talk to, which would never happen because you've got me. But do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just think, like, sometimes we can, yeah, you could say, well, in an ideal situation, she'd be doing all of that stuff in the community and not eating loads of people. <laughs> but but yeah. I don't want to go there. I no, don't want to no, go no. there because the way I look at it is my mum's my happy. Yeah, yeah. She's healthy. She's certainly not lonely. If anything, like now, my mum's like, you know, for all my mum's life, I've never heard her once say, let me check my diary. <laughs> Whereas now she actually has to have a diary because she's got that much going on. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really absolutely nice. amazing. So I am not ever going to knock her for how much cake or takeaways that she's having because I just I just love the fact that she's she's doing what she's doing. But I suppose for me, just to to, to wrap that up, it's you know be there for the ones you love, look out for them. Of course you will, but don't take on too much responsibility, especially with those that are old enough to have responsibility for themselves, and just ensure that. You're, it's not having a negative impact on you as well as them because yeah. it can get to that point where it's a bit like, oh, no. And the same for... I'm going to be judged for, for reaching for the sourdough breads. <laughs> <laughs> and the same for your your relationship with information. Yeah. Draw those boundaries. Don't take it, you know, don't let it consume you and take what you can do something with and, and leave the rest. And go with it, you know. Yeah. And, and if you feel okay and you're happy, why look for things that go against that? Yeah. It's almost like I think some people go out of their way to to find a bit of information that tells them to do something different to what they're doing. It's addictive. It's yeah, addictive. Yeah. You need to be a human being, not a human doing. Research online. Oh. <laughs> Where'd you get that? You heard that before. I think so. But who's who's who's? I can't remember. I've heard it loads of times now. Really? Yeah. I like it. Like it. Uh, so, guys, hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, any questions about absolutely anything, please do get in touch. Fitter Food across all social media, info at fitterfood.com on email. And we will do our very best to, to help you wherever we can. And yeah, little reminder to get involved with a Fitter Crimbo, Fitter 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, it's all over our social media channels. So if you can't find the Facebook group, just uh, have a little butchers on there and I'm sure you'll find something. Glad to add anything, Karis? No, nope, I'm done. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. See ya.